to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. Nerd alert! <laughs> and that's right, we've got a new feature this time. Uh, we've got another iTunes review. Which is not iTunes anymore, right? Apple got fancy and decided to call their Apple Podcast app. Podcast. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so we've got a new one, guys. Another five-star review. Wow. And Yeah. And so this one is by Brian McCoy. Um, I guess we can say his name on the air because he put it on Apple. So, <laughs> Brian, if you didn't want us to know your name, uh, you're doing it wrong, pal. <laughs> Everybody can see it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but is, this is a great review, and we're really thankful whenever a listener reviews us on the on the Apple. And, th- and that is the one that matters for for whatever reason, whether it's your favorite podcatcher or not. Apple Podcasts is the industry standard, and it's that's where it, and it's what that's what matters. If we get rated on there, it'll bump us up, and all the other uh, most of the podcatchers steal the RSS feeds from Apple. And so, mm-hmm. if yeah. you can help us on Apple, that's why that's what'll help the show the most. And so, but here's a five star review. And here's the title, Best of the Best Podcast. Pretty good title. Awesome. Pretty flattering. It says, these gentlemen gentlemen are not only a great group of guys, they're awesome to listen to. They're informative and just great to listen with. I love that they laugh and joke around. Give these great guys a listen to. They deserve it. I don't know about deserve it, but Brian, we thank you, pal. We appreciate it. That's right. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Brian. And that's one thing I enjoy about our show above others. Of course, we want to be professional, but we're friends. We want to have fun. We want to, you know, let people know our enjoyment for our mediums that we've chosen to talk about here. Now, one thing we've chosen to talk about, I know, (laughs) is kind of controversial right now with with the group of nerds. Sam? And it could could have strained the friendship maybe just a little (laughs) bit. Uh, as uh, Jamie says on another uh, podcast, Graphically Novel, defend yourself, sir. All right. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now, this is a much maligned piece of Star Wars lore, uh, as I've got bobbing heads with my fellow nerds. Uh, it's even that bad that uh, George Lucas wishes this thing never would have happened. Okay. Um And so we're going to get our chance to kind of talk about it, talk about kind of the ups and downs of this, probably more downs. But uh, there are some some pieces that I think are interesting to, you know, Star Wars that we know today. And some of those things got their start here. So I think it is something we should look at since this is our year of Star Wars. Yeah, and this was a very interesting uh, show to revisit for myself. It's been – I – I don't think I'd seen this thing in years. God, I don't know, 10, 15 years maybe. But yeah, I don't think that the the ups and downs were for a lack of uppers or downers on the set um, (laughs) or in the writing room, so to speak. But, you know, coming hot off the heels of the Star Wars phenomenon of the initial movie release, everyone's jumping on the wagon. So we have a holiday special, which was a thing if you young kids don't know it was a thing in the in the you know even late 60s uh, 70s uh, even going into the very early 80s uh, so this was definitely um something to have seen 
Jamie, I can't I can't imagine being a kid in 1978. I mean, Star Wars is barely out of theaters. Cuz I check I take the dates on these things. Star Wars ran for 11 months in theaters. Mm-hmm. It had been out of theaters for like what, 6 weeks, 2 months before the holiday special aired. Yeah, 2 months. Can you too. imagine being a kid Star Wars crazy? And then watching this on TV, and, they, and then I can imagine I can imagine the excitement. There's going to be more Star Wars, and this is what they got. <laughs> I mean, I I kept thinking about it as, as I watched this travesty. I just kept thinking about those poor kids. I thought they were getting more <laughs> Star Wars. Well, you know the thing offered. I thought the thing I thought was very interesting here is because Star Wars was such a debacle filming. You know, you had the British crew who just was thinking George Lucas was making the stupidest thing ever. You had, you know, Mark Hamill, I think, was the only one who who was, you know, giving it a good go. And he's thinking, well, you know, this is going to be a midnight special show. This is going to be one of these cult followings. And, you know, everything's just so campy, so out there. And then it explodes and takes over the world. So when they get the offer to make a holiday special, I can imagine the actors, the people, you know, clamoring to work on this thing possibly and seeing the script and thinking oh wow this you know may be a train wreck but then maybe hearing the stories of the movie and and you know when this thing hit the screens you're like what in the world are we watching (laughs) well i thought another thing that was really telling is i did a little bit of research during the last 30 minutes of the movie (laughs) 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 um but this is real. I mean, a lot of these things you would imagine, like a Star Wars holiday special, would have aired repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe more than once during the month of December, or like the next few years, or until like Return of the Jedi came out one time, aired yeah, it again. one time, and they hit it. <laughs> November seventeenth, yeah. nineteenth, Friday, November seventeenth, nineteen seventy-eight, from eight o'clock to ten o'clock, and never seen again. <laughs> It's so right. sad that Life Day is a holiday never took off. <laughs> but I, I thought that was really telling, because if a Star Wars Christmas special had been good, they'd have milked it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they didn't even show it at 3 a.m. <laughs> on December the 23rd or something. I never, never again. Nope. And you know what? It's really funny is, I mean, like you said, Star Wars had taken over the world at this point. So, I mean, this was preempting both Wonder Woman and The Incredible Hulk. And that was CBS's big Friday night shows back-to-back, which now you'd never see a Marvel and a DC back-to-back like that ever again. I was going to say Marvel and DC living side-by-side. <laughs> yeah, really. So Wonder Woman debuted at 8 o'clock, and then uh, Incredible Hulk at 9 <laughs> following that. So Star Wars, you know, they were putting this in a prime spot. These were two high grossing shows in terms of viewership so when that flashed across the uh, youtube one thing i had to watch i was like can i watch those instead i'd rather watch <laughs> and wonder woman episode each to watch this thing you can't <laughs> go wrong with bill bixby and linda carter but yeah if right. anyone's wondering how to find a copy of this there is a there's a couple on youtube and the one we uh seems like we all watched had the uh the announcement at the beginning uh the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman will not be shown tonight. Instead, enjoy the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's so another ch- group of people I felt bad for. Children, <laughs> what, what would we 
rate or grade this thing if if we want to. Uh, okay, right. I'll, 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 I'll see I'll, what you guys go with. I'm I'll, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> this thing's a travesty. Um, I read a quote where Lucas said that he wanted to find all the master copies and smash them with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I agree with him. I will help him. I'll bring my own sledgehammer. Um, I'd rather watch Flash Gordon on a loop for eight hours than watch this again. Uh, this thing makes Flash Gordon look like Oscar bait. F minus. I will never minus. get anything lower than this. F minus. <laughs> so this F is at the low bar. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, like last time, I mean, Flash Gordon's bad in a ridiculous way that's like kind of fun to make fun of. This thing is bad, and I'm an embarrassed for these people kind of way, and I feel a little guilty making fun of it. <laughs> okay. Dwayne, what do you think? What grade are you giving this thing? Well, no, even though this is a Star Wars, and my Star Wars grade scale is skewed, and you could pros po quite possibly say that this is even skewed for me. Um, D+. Plus. I'm going with a D plus. Um, don't, you know, as we know, our grades D is don't watch. I'm going with a D plus. You can watch it, but please be aware of what you're watching. Be aware of what you're watching. Hopefully we'll shed some light on that in our pan and fan sections here shortly. He's giving it a D plus because he got to see the Millennium Falcon twice. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I will tell you, the thing that made this a D plus was really all of the recycled footage. <laughs> and sometimes they had even the same scenes with the actors and they changed the dialogue. They did. I noticed that. You know, and you had all of the same <laughs> scenes of, you know, this the the uh the Star Destroyers out and, and I love that Holland's calling the Star Destroyers garbage scales. We gotta change you know, run from these garbage scales. When in you know, when in the movies he was kind of, you know, terrified, oh here comes some Star Destroyers, you know, they're slow but we'll outrun them. But you know, he's still kinda of nervous about it. But yeah, the just for the recycled um, and this was probably one of the first times I'd seen Harrison really phoning it in. I mean, it's yeah. pretty early in his career to be phoning it in, but you can really kind of see him saying like, okay, I'm just not interested in this. We're going we're gonna to get back to that. Really. <laughs> okay, Sam, what's your grade? You know, I'm going to echo exactly what Dwayne said. I've got D plus on this. <laughs> and I would have dropped lower. I'm going to be really honest. I would have dropped lower. The only thing that saved this for me that even pulled it up to D was the cartoon. Mm. I liked the cartoon. Now, I have feelings about the cartoon. and, and <laughs> well, it's, we'll get back to that, too. I don't, I don't think it's that. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, the funny thing is you, you, you think they would have learned from this, but then they end up uh, – coming up with the Ewoks and Droid cartoons much later on, and they're still pimping it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have really fond memories of the Droids cartoon, so mm -hmm. I'm kind of afraid to go back and watch it. <laughs> me too. Me too, Jamie. I, I, and this really made me worry about my views on my past. Like, yeah. okay, I'm looking at some really rose-colored glasses here. <laughs> well, Disney Plus is eventually supposed to have both series, so we'll see. Oh, see, I, see, I went and looked for droids were the first things I looked for, and I went and looked, and I was actually a little relieved that it wasn't on there. <laughs> Good, I don't have to face my childhood. Yeah. I've, I've got 
a bootleg as well as uh, some other more, uh, I, I guess, legal ways of viewing those if anybody ever wants to. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what Disney Plus has there. We'll hold on to our delusions as long as we can. There you go. <laughs> I love. I think this is probably going to be the lowest we ever grade anything. The highest grade on this one is a D plus. A D plus. <laughs> That's great. Hey, they all can't be winners. They all can't be winners. All right. Let's, uh, y'all want to do some um, fan or pan? Let's go for it. Let's go to the fan and pan. All right. Uh- Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right. Um, I said we, we, we would get back to something. Um, I've really only got one fan. There's one thing that I just purely enjoy. So oh, just like Flash like, Gordon, you get to go first again. Because <laughs> I've only got one. I've got literally one note, and it's not. It's like a, a sentence. <laughs> I don't even have a lot of. It's not fleshed out. Um, I enjoyed Harrison Ford's performance. Um, it's not good. It's not a good performance. But I just I enjoyed. I mean, you can see in every line of his face that he would rather be anywhere else anywhere else on the earth yes. <laughs> and on the set of his thing. I just loved, he just looked embarrassed the whole time the camera was aimed at him. And I just, I enjoyed it just the way, just, I don't know. It just his complete like revulsion at what he was having to do and say. <laughs> <laughs> made yeah, me laugh. You, you had a few characters who were, you know, <laughs> really trying to sell it. And I don't, you know, like I said, I don't, I didn't think Han was necessarily one of them. Um, you know, <laughs> Mark, Mark Hamill's blue eyed, you know, speeded out stare into the camera while he was talking to uh, Mala about, you know, where's Chewie really had me concerned, <laughs> you know, for, for his well-being. But uh, which I actually, I mean, I, I did some research on that because he looked weird. Yeah, and he I thought, looked very weird. Which I found out I, during like the life day ceremony i was looking at this i think instead of <laughs> what's happening on my <laughs> TV screen. um but he had just had that car accident mm-hmm. and he had like he had just had reconstructive surgery and that's why they had pancaked makeup on him yeah. and he may have been on some painkillers i mean he, he I mean, probably he really was may have been on something yeah like, because he had, I mean, he had, had, had some serious face facial reconstruction um in between uh, episode seven or episode uh, four and five there. And uh, I did not realize that this was directly um, in yeah, course. Apparently, so. apparently he had just had started having those surgeries before they wow. made this. Mm. And so they pancaked that makeup on him to right. hide. So that damage. explains a lot of the glassy stare and the really super fake tan skin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Sam, what's some fans that you have, maybe, since Jamie's done? Yeah, I'm doubling back. Kind of, I guess, kind of tail ending off that. Uh, You know, I just think that this is an interesting thing to look at because how often are you going to see the cast of a major motion picture all of a sudden be on this little television special? Mm -hmm. I mean, we really see that often. 
And to me, that was kind of neat. And it's not something that you see a lot. You know, I, I've said in the past, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would have been a whole lot better if at least one Avenger would have dropped in every once in a while to give right. that show a little bit more credibility. You know, but for this, you know, this, like you said, this movie had taken the world by storm. These people went from, you know, nobody knew who Mark Hamill was to people were wearing Mark Hamill's face on every T-shirt coming and going. Mm -hmm. But then these, these, these actors are on a CBS holiday special. You know, that's something different. That's something from this time period that you would not see again. And to me, I'm kind of a fan of that. So that's something that has always stuck out to me. Yeah, well, as we know, Mark and Carrie, uh, you know, Harrison kind of out there on the edges have always had a, a soft spot for Star Wars. They've always been available, you know, for conventions and, and for fans and different things, interviews and such. But in this era, especially TV was such a downstep from the movies. You know, the mm -hmm. movie was such a big deal. And TV was like your death throes. Slumming it. Of, yeah, slumming it, essentially, yeah, of, of your career. And uh, for them to, I would love to see the paychecks that they offer these guys or whatever was written into their original contracts. Like, listen, you guys. That's what I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's, did you, did you read the fine print here? You know? And uh, so, yeah, it was really uh, interesting to see that. But uh, yeah, uh, as, uh, as far as a fan that I have is I spoke about earlier, I loved all of the recycled footage from the original. And you have it here in a not special edition, quote unquote, not in a cleaned up or reconstituted form. Right. You know, you're looking at what was, you know, filmed on film in '76. You know, before the movie came out, closest to released in theaters. Because even with our THX releases in the in the you know early '90s, the late '90s, you know the the the, all the special editioning that George Lucas done, the Blu-ray editions, the DVD editions, you know, Star Wars has always morphed. There's always been changes from version to version. And this right here, and I love that they're changing dialogue and using the same shots. It was so hilarious to see that. You know, some of those shots were alternate takes mm -hmm. that had been edited out for the ones that were used. And so that's why, you know, some of them were, were exact dead on clips and yeah. others were actually cutting room floor. A edit. little different. Yeah. 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 There was a few little different things there. Mm -hmm. Hey, speaking of which things that got edited out or should have been, um, the, uh, the millennium Falcon, the, um, the set that Harrison Ford and Chewie were on for the special, that is not, the that's thing, not the right? Film. No, it's much <laughs> no, smaller. That's not the film. Yeah, it didn't look right. I, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pause it to check anything. But. Yeah, they they tried to recreate it, like Sam said, they created quite a bit smaller and mm -hmm. a, a bit differently. But just like you know, all of these other movies, you know, they didn't think this thing was going to be anything. So I mean, they did not save those sets. They ripped them apart and used them for something else. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it looked right. No. Yeah, it definitely, definitely didn't look right. Um, uh, a fan that I have is parts of the cartoon um the cartoon uh, as as i was watching again was really not as i remembered it 
the artwork if, for the human characters is kind of atrocious. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> really tells Han worse than anybody else. Yeah, really I was gonna scary. I was gonna mention that. You know, Luke Luke on that uh, animation really needed the plastic surgery. Um, yeah, not Han not Solo's real. face looked like an Easter Island statue. <laughs> they changed constantly. Come on, we have a whole section for that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Sorry. we are introduced, we are introduced to a, a character that we've come to, to love. Um, and I'm not sure it's the Boba Fett. Well, they do name him as Boba Fett in this, don't mm -hmm. they? Yep, I, I do remember that now, yeah. So we're introduced to Boba Fett in here, and he's kind of wearing a little bit different armor, has a little bit of a different weapon that we've seen uh, just here kind of recently. Yep. So now let's talk about the Disney Plus Mandalorian. <laughs> Coming 2020. Yeah, if they had timed that better, we could have fit that in this year. But we're oh, not going to yeah. fit it in, schedule-wise. Yeah. And who knew it would be such a thing? Yeah. Um, okay, I've got kind of a sideways fan, I guess, I can throw on here. Okay. Um, I got a kick out of the set for Chewie's house. It looked just like the Brady Bunch's like basement or something. I mean, it just looked like a 70s like sitcom set. Yeah. And I kind of just I just kind of like got a kick out of watching it like like looking around like man, if like you know, one of the Brady kids were throwing a football around down here, it they wouldn't change anything. Yeah, just take Chewie's picture right out. In. It would yeah. fit right in. Yep. Well, kind of a fan going with what you just spoke about, Jamie, uh, the uh, the set design was really consistent. Lucas stayed really consistent with that for uh, Kashyyyk in uh, episode three. If you notice the, the way this, the uh, buildings yeah. were on the trees, the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the integration there. I'll tell you, uh, I believe my final pan is going to remain on Kashyyyk. I want one of those TVs where you can follow your loved ones along their adventures and what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, cause I mean, was that really, was that what was happening or was I just kind of crazy? Was, was lumpy watching Han and Chewie and these other kind of side adventures that were happening. I, I don't know. It was just a good place to put the cartoon, cartoon, I guess. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, even aside from that, I mean, he was kind of seeing the uh, the the uh, Imperials, you know, going yeah. in and out and checking on things, and then they go and then they come to the house, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's lots of things that are watched on those TVs and on their hollow chest tables or whatever that I don't understand what happens. <laughs> well, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's the things I'm that's, by there. Like I said, there's a section for that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a long, long, large section. <laughs> <laughs> I've got at least one more. And actually, this is it's kind of playing off of, of what Dwayne had said also. You know, when we talk about Star Wars, you know, it's become this almost ever-changing, ever-building kind of story. You know, and, and it's changed since Disney took it over, you know, with the expanded universe not existing as much now and things along those lines. But the fact that this is technically the first mention of Volafet and the first mention of Kashyyyk, and both of those still play a huge role, even, you know, kind of post 
the post-Disney buyout. So those that to me is important. And to me, it's important enough, as we said, for both, you know, Bulba's Weapon and Life Day both to show up in The Mandalorian. Yeah. So that shows you where John Favreau's mind is. <laughs> yeah, he, he paid watching this one again. Yeah, he paid great homage uh, to the to the lineage here uh, and the the lore of Star Wars. So we're gonna get into some pans, fellas. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Everybody's afraid to go first. Uh, so I'll I'll go first, and I'll go from like the thing that first drove me crazy. And this, and okay. I started sending um, slightly angry uh, Facebook Messenger messages at Sammy over this. <laughs> so we see like a little opening scene with Han and Chewie, right? Okay. And then we go to Chewie's house. And there are three Wookiees on set for what felt like 30 minutes just grrring at each other. There is no intelligible speech forever. I cannot believe how long that lasted. Yeah. Yeah. No subtitles, no indication <laughs> whatsoever what was going on. Just growls and grunts <laughs> and weird walrus noises. Uh, and, you know, the characters' names speak a lot. <laughs> Mala, the mother. Lumpy. Lumpy. The kid. <laughs> And Itchy, who was really, really kind of creepy. Uh, a really neat uh, story in uh, one of the ARC's previous Disney buyout, they had uh, reintroduced Lumpy as no. a chieftain. Yeah, well, here's the cool thing. As a, but as I'm a glad that you died if they brought Lumpy back. <laughs> Well, his name was, uh, his full name we found out in, in this book because we meet him as Waru, and his name was Lumpararoo. You know, I guess like, it's a weird thing, and he was a, a, a pretty fierce uh, war chieftain on Kashyyyk. He better be if his name's Lumpy. You gotta call him. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the boy named Sue. It's yeah, but that scene, man, it just went on and on. I looked over at my wife, and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> this can't be right. No, it, it's pure pantomime. You've got you've to tell everything going on just based upon they're, they're almost nonverbal because you can't understand any of it. You know, so you, they're having to tell this story through really pantomime. So... A, and they don't even have human faces yeah. that we can read facial expressions off of. They're in, like, <laughs> the worst Wookiee costumes ever. Yeah, I was going to say they did not get the same, you know, quality of costume <laughs> that we had with Chewbacca or the same quality of actor we had with Peter Mayhew to emote these things. Like <laughs> now, now, now we'll, we'll talk more about that later. I, I've, got a, I've got an award there, so... Uh... <laughs> If this comes up in best scene, I'm signing off. <laughs> so me. This this could be the end of our show, folks. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, um, you know that it really was a struggle to get through. You know, large chunks of this with no English. Yeah, yeah large and chunks. I, and, I, of this. and I suspect that's why they brought the um, the junk shop guy 
onto the onto the wookie set yep. to have somebody speaking you know our language that we could play off of well and of course it's art carney so i mean at this time you know who would have been you know at that point was a household name for over 30 years yeah. so all right um I'm going to pull one of my pans, and, and it's so funny that Dwayne said this, because this is exactly what my note says. Itchy was creepy. Okay. Yep. This is not your kindly wookie grandpa here. This is your, that grandpa's like, hey, son, come here, let me show you something. You know, it's that kind of grandpa. Okay. Yep. yep, he's definitely the weird uh, alcoholic uncle. Uh, and what was up with his lower jaw? Was it because he had lost all his teeth? He's got big gums. Because <laughs> that mouth was malformed. <laughs> got big gums. <laughs> it's eating too much shrimp creole. <laughs> well, I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to jump in here. This is one of my later pans. Uh, the costume designs for the Wookiees. I thought they both, um, except for the little kid, I didn't know what his deal was. Um, Mala, I thought, looked eerily like Michael J. Fox's character from Teen Wolf. <laughs> um, and especially with the uh, apron on, she kind of looked like Michael J. Fox wearing the basketball uniform. Like it was a little... And I thought Itchy looked like a cross between the monster from Big Trouble in Little China and the Predator. This is true. This is true. Maybe that's where I was getting my unease from the monster from Big Trouble Little China, and that's also all you're on... talking about. That's the big. That's the Big Trouble Little China's monster. Yeah. Uh, this jaw. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, or maybe I was waiting on Mala to uh, you know riff surf on a land speeder. <laughs> <laughs> to the Beach Boys. Yeah. yeah. I I had trouble getting used to that. It took me probably thirty minutes before I could just roll with and not see. It's not you know think of those other characters. Yeah, that, that is true. Thinking of those other characters. <laughs> well, you know, and and all of the costume design was just a little off. Yeah, it, it was all just a little off. Even uh, you know, from the imperial officers, you know, with with the large <laughs> hats, and, and as we see them in the movie, the hat kind of fits centrally on their head, and it comes out in the front and out to the back. And this guy just had it plastered back against his forehead, you know, <laughs> just just kind of looked like a dork, but. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if that if that stash was imperial, you know, acceptable <laughs> or not. Yeah, I don't think that was regulation. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> yeah, don't think that was regulation. Um, well, you know, you were talking about the costumes, uh, even the creatures, and part of that I think is in A New Hope, those creatures were not lit very well, so you could slide by. Yeah. With this, that cantina was well lit. You could yeah. see everything and know right away those were masks. Yeah, that so. cantina was lit up like a McDonald's. It was not a, a legit <laughs> cantina. And yeah, you really saw, you know, the 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 buttons and the foam and stuff that was, you know, expertly hidden with the camera movement. It was great to see some of the characters like, oh, Oh, there's that guy again. You know, there's there's this creature again. Right. And what was the deal? Was there not a creature sitting at the bar with no head? Am I just crazy, or did I, or 
it seemed like as the camera was going by the bar, there was a, a creature sitting there with no head. It looked like just shoulders and a sh- and a th- with a hole there where a head would go. And I'm like, how is this guy getting a drink? Hmm. Could be uh, pouring it through his head like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I, I hadn't connected the dots on the lighting being the problem, but I thought it looked cheap. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't connected those dots, but yeah, I, they, it it looked bad. I, I thought that maybe they had just you know, had to like sort of like cheaply remake um, those costumes and right. uh, char- character design things, but yeah, the lighting probably is what that was. But yeah, it it looked rough. Yeah, and the um, new Hobo was the smoky bar room essentially, yeah. and it was the dimly lit, and and so you didn't focus as much on kind of the you know the the masks the way they were. So they and you would cool. have three and four creatures in a scene, you know. That, right. And so your eyes were busy. You, were, you weren't lingering here. They just had one, maybe two, and it panned across this brightly lit, you know, room. I, I thought, though, the most noticeable one was the guy in the devil mask. Because yeah. that, that kind of works in a yeah. dark, you know, room. You span across, when you, like, pan across it real fast. <laughs> But they lingered on that dude, and like you already mentioned, like the the lighting, like it. I mean, it just looks goofy in yeah. a brightly lit room. And and, the, and it the was camera legit- lingering on him. Yeah, it was legitimately just a devil mask, you know that that mm-hmm. they had, uh, the Devernorian species. Yes, I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> I th- I th- honestly, I think the only one that looked halfway decent was the Shavistan werewolf. And then they even pulled him out of A New Hope when they did the special editions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they pulled Wolfman out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, um, the uh, the cartoon, uh, I know that we had panned about this a little bit ago, but the cartoon was really, really roughly animated. Uh, was this uh, Nelvana animation? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. that's what I thought. I didn't I didn't linger through the credits or do a lot of research on that but i've had i've got a few nelvana cartoons and you can really tell that style <laughs> you can and and that's the thing i mean it's not Hanna barbera no, it's, it's not, not the, not fan, the Funimation. yeah filmation it's yeah it's not disney but you can tell their animation style and if you go back to a lot of those 70s cartoons that they animated you know that style is pretty consistent you know, so to me, it's very much a, a, a staple of the time with that company. Yeah, between okay. Nirvana and Ralph Bakshi, I think that's probably the most disturbing 70s animations you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm younger than these guys. I've experienced a little bit of Ralph Bakshi. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to be compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I want I want to jump on that too because I'd always heard um, because I had I think we revealed this last time we when we, when we previewed this I had refused to watch this my entire life um, but I'd always heard like the the one redeeming thing was the Boba Fett cartoon like everything right. else is garbage Boba Fett cartoon is awesome um, so when it switched to the animation I was like oh it's about to get good um, I was lied to. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't good. I mean, it maybe was the least bad thing. <laughs> in I, I think the that's special. more apt. That, that's, that's, that's more, that's more accurate. Definitely. It's the least bad. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. some false advertising going on there, though. <laughs> well, you know, once again, I think it's that it's, you know, he has more lines in this than two movies put together. 
So, <laughs> I mean, just the fact that that we've got somebody as Boba Fett supposedly speaking and interacting more. I think that's really what got a lot of fans. And then the fact that this was a character that was introduced even before the Empire Strikes Back. So I think that's why a lot of people kind of fall to the cartoon as the better part of this whole special. Not knowing if Boba's a good guy or a bad guy, you know. Right. You know, yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing there. And I love that. I think it was C three PO that like called Luke out, like, "Hey, we're trusting this guy a little fast here." <laughs> like, well, yeah, 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 three yeah, PO. And I love that they still hadn't quite gotten, the, you know, three PO's what exactly he was, quite right, because you know Lucas had initially viewed and written him as like a a fast talking, slimy used car salesman, right. and Anthony Daniels played him as a prim, you know, British butler, and they're still trying to figure out what his role there is and he is still in this you can really tell they're juggling what what is he right well, i think there's a lot that wasn't set in stone i mean just in all of star wars at this point oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah well lucas famously you know uh, wrote to jj abrams when uh, they finished up lost and said you know hey i, I was making it up as i went along too <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know so if he it's finally admitted it to somebody. Well, see, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's you know truly accurate, but you know, I've heard that multiple times, multiple places. You know, uh, when J.J. Uh, Abrams finished up with Lost, and you know, everybody's kind of disappointed or kind of wondering, you know, what, what was the big allure? And they're like, we we're just kind of making it up. You know, and Lucas rushed out and said, you know, hey, me too, me too, buddy. I was making it up too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I've got uh, I've got another pen. Okay. Um, so they wanted to make a variety show type thing. That was clearly what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, there had to be a better premise um, because the whole the way they sort of get everything positioned to do the other like variety show type things are they have they have the Wookiee house being searched by Imperials for forever. And they just kind of randomly sit down and watch things and get distracted. I'm like, number one, how many Imperials are searching houses? And can you just stay in a house and search for two hours? <laughs> and they would just like go and like, hang up, just like, hey, look at this thing. And they would sit and look at the thing for forever. Uh, I just, there had to be a better premise, a better way to get where they wanted to go than this. I mean, just have a couple of story meetings. <laughs> yep. And they Leave broke the, the stuff for a minute. And they broke the stuffed bantha just to be breaking the stuffed bantha. I mean, that, that was, was unnecessary cruel. to break Lumpy's heart. That was just cruel. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I laughed a little when that happened. <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's baby, man. I think that's one of the glorious, glorious things about this uh, special. And if you can, you know get a hold of that you know, laughing when you're not supposed to laugh <laughs> you know, being, being amused by the things are like okay they're they're entirely you know blitzed out of their skull so they're <laughs> acting entirely inappropriately <laughs> you know and what know was what? up with uh corman having like five different roles in this thing <laughs> Like we wouldn't notice. Just dress him up like a robot, but he's like a human robot. 
And any Julia Child, intergalactic Julia Child. Intergalactic Julia. <laughs> yeah, the cooking show was great. Yes. That, that's the word. It's up there. You know, the thing with Har- um, uh, Harvey Corbin is that the Carol Burnett show had just ended in April. Oh, so he was free. So we spent <laughs> 11 seasons on this for CBS. And so I don't know if they just had, you know, he was still under contract. They needed to use him for something. But that. I think's one reason that Harvey Corman gets the nod because it is a variety can, show. You say it, I can very see I can see his uh, meeting in the boardroom with the guys. Hey guys, my schedule just opened up. Things weren't good at home with the wife. What do you need me for? <laughs> I'm driving the old lady crazy. I got to get out. We know it's the same thing with B. Arthur. Her show Maud had just ended also that season <laughs> after six seasons. So both of them were just kind of in the wind without a television show. So. Hey, guys, can y'all come in on Saturday, too? <laughs> you never know, people. So the, um, the cooking segment. Uh-huh. What was that? Well, now, I don't know if Sam remembers this, but I remember, you know, growing up, cooking shows were kind of a thing mm-hmm. through the late 70s and, and early mid-80s. Cooking shows were just kind of, I mean, this is where Julia Child, you know, yeah, was exactly. famous. And, and I mean, before you had, you know, Guy Fieri and Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives and all these folks, you know, we, we had these cheesy middle-of-the-day cooking shows on your public access or you know, just kind of filling in a spot, you know, if a game yep. show needed a couple of days off or something to, you, you would have these random cooking shows. And, you know, especially with the Julia Child character, and I know she's become such a character, but it's true. She would start cooking on that show stone sober. <laughs> By the time the show was over, she is sauced. <laughs> Throwing the turkey or the chicken around, you know, all shoes all over the wall. Did she do something that they were like commenting on, like the like the whole stir stir thing? Yeah, the stir stir. Yeah. 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 She, was that? She would always do these little, little like a. Uh, yeah. And and even you can see some of her in the Swedish Chef. Mm-hmm. You know, just okay. just kind of the exaggerated stir stir stir, let's stir yeah. some more. You know, or just just something random and. Just, I was wondering if that was a reference to something. Cause I felt like like there was a purpose to what they were doing, but it was I I didn't understand it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 just random little weird stuff like that she would do, or you know, okay. and it would just make the show that just kind of kooky and weird, you know. And even you know, if she would you know say stuff funny or she would react to things funny, you know. And that's where you got the Swedish Chef, I think. You know, the herdiger, the herdiger, pork, 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 chicken, you know, and just the strangeness there. She was insane. You know what? I mean. <sighs> Me and my me and my wife both talked about this after we watched this thing. Like, and, and you reminded me you brought up the Swedish Chef. What if they could have instead of doing what they actually did, if they could have done a crossover, like um, like have like the Star Wars, like a takeover, like the Muppet Show for one night? Oh, they yeah. did. That happened. Yep, that it, happened on a regular episode of the Muppets. Yeah, well, I know Mark Hamill was on an episode, wasn't he? Yeah, and yeah, and right. others and others. Yeah, three PO, R two, Chewie. Uh, didn't really? show up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
I, I got some information here. Why aren't we you... reviewing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be Muppet Show episode 417. Okay. That's February 23rd, 1980. <laughs> yep, so that was uh, just before Empire Strikes Back. And it's actually the first appearance of Luke's Bespin Fatigues. Uh-huh. Because he was in the Bespin Fatigues on that episode before Empire Strikes Back debuted in the theaters. So. They you can't guys get crack it. me up. They can't get it. Get sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you were talking about Harvey Corman's Julia Child. You know, 1978 also had Dan Aykroyd doing his famous Julia Child SNL skit where he cuts his finger off and blood starts spurting all over the place. So this was a thing, you know, this isn't just a one-off. This is something that was happening a lot in 78. Okay. So, so that, so that, so that would have made more sense if I was just a year or two older. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, okay. it was a thing. Yeah, it was a it, thing. I, it felt like they were going for something and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's such, that's such a great uh, point to make. Uh, even, even having younger kids with some of this stuff. And as we're, as, uh, I know I'm trying to introduce mine to, to different, uh, you know, genres, different movies and things. And you even have to say, okay, guys, now when this movie come out, here's kind of what was going on. You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to kind of preface by saying this is, you know, sort of pop culture. This is sort of, you know, what was happening on TV and on films at this time. And if you can, you know, get them to understand that and it's not always easy because you know pop culture as we know is such a fluid and individual thing uh, it really can open their eyes up to some things uh, do we have any more pans or we want to give out some awards i think we're ready to hang some awards on the mantle with this one i think we're ready fellas all okay. right so guys have we went down and got the our life day plaque yet <laughs> I noticed that Chewie still didn't get a medal. No. He got a robe, though. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let me... Okay, I want to ask you about that. Um, <laughs> why was Mala wearing an apron, and why did the Wookiees wear the robes at the end? Well, you They're know naked it was the rest thing. of the time. I mean... I... You know it was a thing when Star Wars was being made that the Wookiees had no pants. Yeah, I the remember that, yeah. Those, so, I mean, and you have to get your notes. official life day. You have to get your official yeah. life day Snuggie. All right. Well, anyway, know, I was just baffled and, by that. I've I'll been be honest. You know, there's a good possibility that um, as far as, I guess, acceptable purposes of a female Wookiee to have some type of covering, I truly believe that. But she uh, didn't have it on the whole time, just when she was cooking. Yeah, but well, she's like a hairnet. She didn't want to get hair in her food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil, little... let's go for the awards. She didn't want to burn her biscuits. <laughs> and on that classy note, let's give out a best performance award. Sammy, who is your best performance? All right. I'm going to say it. I think Patty Maloney did a fantastic job as Lumpy. <laughs> okay. I do. 
okay? And, and you made the exact point. Through all of this garbled growl and bark, we still kind of figured out this kid and the just the the silly little things, the sneaky, mischievous little things that she portrayed just through, like I said, Panama, just with her eyes in the mask, with the little bit of movement she had in the mouth. We still got a feel for him as a kid. And, and I like that. Like I said, even though, you know, this was a female playing this child, you know, this boy child. So what? She did a good job at it. So that's my best performance award is for Patty Maloney as Lumpy. Okay, that's not bad. You talk, you you talk me. You halfway talked me into that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gonna stick with what I've got, but you you almost convinced me. Go for it. You you justified yourself real soon. Do my best. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna go with Carrie Fisher. Um, I think she was high as a kite the whole time she was in front of the camera. Um, but man, she showed up to work. I mean, she was giving it her all, and she sang her heart out at the end. I mean, whenever she was in front of the camera, she—I mean, pupils were probably weird, but she was, she was, she was earning her paycheck. So, yeah. Carrie Fisher. She, yeah, she truly uh, was one of the few who showed up to work that day. Yeah. And and she truly worked it. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Harvey Corman just for his prolificness in this thing. <laughs> Uh, he, he, I mean, he just had so much work to do, I guess. You know, he had to be have been good at some point throughout here. I don't know if it made it on the screen or not, but I'm just going to go with Harvey Corman's, you know, performances. Right. <laughs> the next one brings us to the best scene, gentlemen. Who wants to go first? Sam, what are you thinking? All right. Best scene is the only dramatic scene in the whole thing. Han's battle with the stormtrooper. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only tension in the whole thing, man. When Han finally shows up and has to battle, you know, fight the stormtrooper and kick him off of the the porch. That's it. (laughs) And that was one of those times where the saying becomes at the living envy the dead. I kind of wanted to go off the railing with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Charles. Um, I struggle with this because there's not really a good scene. Um, uh, I, I think the scene that I probably would say is probably like the actually best done, um, was probably B. Arthur in the cantina. Um, I mean, B. Arthur is a um, stage performer. Um, she's won a lot of awards. Um, and she's doing a stage performance in that campaign. Yeah. Now, whether, that, whether that's what should be in this wretched, you know, hive of scum and villainy or not is, <laughs> is a different story. I mean, it fits as well as anything else. Yeah. yeah it works. But <laughs> it's probably, like, the least bad scene like it's strange but it's probably the least bad scene in the movie well it went from cantina to cabaret so (laughs) (laughs) true that true that um for the best scene i'm going to go with the scene that made the most impact on me just for the sheer jarredness um, i had the first time seeing it and it was because luke looked so different 
Um, and his interaction was so strange with Mala is when Luke is comforting Mala when she's like, hey, where's Chewie? You know, when she's calling him up and looking for Han and Chewie. That was that was probably the most impactful scene on me. I was just like, wow. So this is what this is now. You know, you, you kind of <laughs> saw, saw what you were watching there. I can't believe you chose that. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we had a worse scene, I might have chose that for my worst scene. <laughs> uh, I think well, our then, criteria might be different here, Dwayne. <laughs> well, like I said, like I said, you know, best scene, I don't know, you know, and even like best performance with Harvey Korman, I don't know if it's his, you know, the best performance, but he was the most prolific and it made the most impact on me. <laughs> so Luke, Luke, you know, comforting Mala has kind of stuck with me more than anything here, just, just for the jarredness of it. <laughs> All right. Well, best characters next. <laughs> Dwayne, who was your best character? Well, you know, I'm going to go with a, a fan favorite here, and this is a character we were introduced to in this uh, show, Boba Fett. Probably the best thing to come out of this, that singular character, Boba Fett. I'm gonna second that motion, and uh, the and really the only instance of subtlety entire special <laughs> was Boba Fett tri- tricking Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy, what do you got? Yeah, we're going three for three, so it's definitely Boba Fett, and you know Boba was voiced by Don Franks, who actually in the Droids episode with Boba also voiced him there. So this wasn't his only voicing of Boba Fett. Uh, and Jamie, he was also Sabretooth in the Fox X-Men series. Really? Oh, yes. Nice. So the same voice actor later on would be Sabretooth. So, That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, three for three, Boba Fett. All okay. right. Uh, best quote. Uh, Sammy, what you got? All right. I had to go with the Han quote. Okay. Right. So when he says... Would you look at Lumpy? He's sure grown, huh? And I think his voice is changing. <laughs> Best quote the whole day. Sam, you stole my quote. <laughs> that that was exactly what I had written down here. Can, can uh, you tell that we're of a similar age? We tend to be about the same. The same stuff. Uh, my my best quote is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm that going was with. That was wasn't it? You know uh, what you just said there, Jamie, was probably the most profound thing said in the mo- in the, in the special. I think so. All right, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Sammy, who is your favorite guest star? All right, I cheated a little bit on this one, okay? My favorite favorite guest star was actually a character for one of the clips. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The only reason that this guy really stood out to me is, his name is Leslie Schofield, and he played Moradman Bast. He was one of the guys walking beside Vader, essentially. 
Um, and he stood out to me for the first time. And I guess I really paid attention because as I've been going through some classic Doctor Who, he was in four episodes of a Tom Baker story called Face of Evil. And I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's why I've got to go. Leslie Schofield. Was that a clip, an unused clip from A New Hope? That one, I believe, was. He did change some dialogue in some I was going to say, was it unused or did they just change the dialogue? Because there is a I scene when tell. they're walking through the hall yeah. in the, in the you know, Rebel Blockade Runner. And they're talking about, you know, the Senate won't buy that. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. But I thought it looked a little weird. I thought maybe it hadn't been, like, touched up yet. Or if it was, un when, you, when you mentioned there was unused footage, I thought maybe it was one of those. Well, yeah. whatever 12th generation copy that is on youtube you know the uh the vacuum tubes in the back of the tv probably hadn't heated up all the way <laughs> true that well I, i'm gonna go with b arthur i i just i enjoyed her performance and um i i married to a lady who loves the golden girls and i have watched a lot of golden girls and i got kind of a kick out of seeing b arthur in star wars and Deadpool had a huge crush on her, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, according to Deadpool, uh, B. Arthur is the sexiest woman alive. So. <laughs> you know, also loving uh, the Golden Girls, Jamie, and being a huge fan of theirs. It was good to see B. Arthur on the screen. But uh, really a character that brought back some nostalgia for me that, that uh, you know, Sam had referred to as being such a prolific actor, you know, being, uh, you know, a household name for 30 years at this point was Art Carney. Mm -hmm. It was great seeing him again on the screen, you know, even though it wasn't an old role. But, you know, some of these older actors like this, you know, Art Carney, uh, Bob Hope, I mean, these guys were just such a thing. Every few months, we were seeing them on one special or, you know, one cameo or another on these shows in the 70s and 80s. We you know, started all the way back on the Jackie Gleason show. And then the honeymooners, especially, is Ed Norton is where he really got uh, mm -hmm. came that household name as the neighbor. Yep. I didn't realize who that that's who this was. Yep. That's exactly who that is. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, our last award is um, it's a special one. So, <laughs> this is uh, Jamie special. <laughs> and this is this is brilliant, and it's and extremely apt for this. It's great. So, Dwayne, what is your best thing that clearly shows this was made in a late 70s drug-fueled haze? That this thing was funded, filmed, and aired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from beginning to end, there is zero coherence. There, I mean, the story is just kind of an idea. Let's just kind of see what happens. Life day, Chewy Hans trying to get home. Imperial, yeah, yada yada yada. Let's just 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 do it, guys. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing the writers' room was special. <laughs> you know, and the sad thing is they had a million dollar budget for this, which is about six point four million today to do this thing. How much of it was spent on coke? <laughs> at least at least 400,000 at least well an average an average episode of Incredible Hulk was about 600,000 so that gives you an idea so, well wow. I, for my for my best thing that clearly shows this was made in a late 70s drug-fueled haze is um, itchy special alone time <laughs> 
with Diane Carroll and all that went on there. Um, I don't even know how to talk about it. <laughs> Creepy but, grandpa. Yeah, I don't. I, in, in an era where LSD isn't consumed in the same quantities it was in the seventies, I don't think I can imagine that being put on a children's Christmas special. It's crazy. Yep, it really is a sign of the times of, <laughs> of what was acceptable back then. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm in the exact same boat as Jamie on this one. <laughs> um, the fact that Art Carney describes as well, wow, <laughs> you know that holographic projection was something different. That's for sure. <laughs> An itchy's expression, just the, the way he leered about it, it was just uh-huh. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Definitely strange. Definitely <laughs> strange. But guys, one thing that is not strange, one thing that is entirely not creepy, probably a center of calmness in this chaotic world we have today, probably the thing that could have rescued our holiday special is a Mr. Keanu Reeves. Where is the connection here? Does this link up to the greatness that is Keanu? Well, I was really afraid. And by the way, no, Keanu's not even enough. <laughs> but I was really afraid. I think this is probably, um, after A New Hope, this is the oldest thing we've reviewed. Yeah. And with this mostly being, you know, a, you know, outside of Harrison Ford, you know, I mean, Mark Hamill and, you know, Carrie Fisher, unfortunately, haven't made a ton of stuff. And they're both, you know, save these TV actors. And so I was super nervous. But somewhere during Carrie Fisher's uh, song uh, for Life Day, um, yes, I was already doing the counter connection while I was still watching this thing. Um, I found deep in the cast an uncredited voice actor that Sammy has already mentioned. Don Franks um, was one of two people who did uncredited voice work for Boba Fett. Um, I usually try to fancy this up a little bit. This isn't worth it, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, he also appeared as a character named Hooky and Johnny Mnemonic with Keanu. There's your connection. There we go. That's all I'm giving you. <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic, uh, another spectacle, shall we say? I would watch Johnny Mnemonic every day of the week, twice on Sunday, <laughs> before I would watch this again. <laughs> Oh, that was the Keanu connection. And that was more than this thing deserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our uh, last segment is Keeping It 100, and this is where we recommend quests for our listeners to go on and each other as well. Although I'm not listening to Sammy anymore. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I just said you needed to see it. You made me watch it. That's enough. <laughs> we gave you a blank slate, and you got to make us watch anything you wanted. You, these weren't recommendations. We gave you the power to make us watch things, and you made us watch <laughs> these things. <laughs> okay, so Sam, let's see if you can redeem yourself with your pick for keeping it 100. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> all right. All right. So, all right. So for keeping it 100, uh, I am right now in the midst of a book titled Red, White, and Who? The Story of Doctor Who in America. And, you know, for something that, you know, a lot of our listeners know, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. So I was brought into kind of Who fandom by with KET, PBS stations here in our area. And that was a huge thing at the time. Okay. And this book goes into it. It is a huge volume. Even in the appendices, it lists the PBS station out of Pikeville, Kentucky. So that's the amount of research that these guys did uh, wow. to put this book together. Uh, but beyond just Doctor Who, it's a great history of television. You know, I never understood what a superstation was or why they called superstation TBS or superstation WGN. I do now. Um, and I think it's appropriate for this episode because Star Wars is the reason we got Doctor Who here in the States. After the success of Star Wars, everybody was searching for science fiction fantasy. And so that's what got audiences and TV people wanting to bring as much as they could. And that brought Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who. So Red, White, and Who, the story of Doctor Who in America. That's my Keeping It 100. Very interesting. That is interesting. <clears throat> you're still, you're not redeemed. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good pitch, though. I got to make a lasting impression on you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. Well, I will say, for I'll, I'll go next. I'm, I'm staying on brand two. I thought, it, <laughs> thought I should go next. Sammy stayed on brand two. Too. But I do, I do want to say, uh, Sammy tested our friendship really hard this week. But uh, we're going to let you stick around. Um, we still love you, buddy. Yay. But uh, so for my keeping it 100, um, I'm going with a comic book series that just ended called Giant Days. And it is a little bit quirky. It's a British uh, slice of life uh, comic book series. And it's about three um, young, young women that go off to college or u university or uni, as they call it in, uh, in England. And they have you, uh, Sammy's nodding. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Giant Days? Yeah. I've, I've read the first, uh, most of the first trade. You had suggested it to me. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I mean, I've, I'm a father of daughters and I just want to protect <laughs> these three idiots <laughs> making all these poor life decisions and stumbling through. And you just fall in love with these, with these three young ladies and the, the poor schlubs that, you know, that, that they get attached to. And you just end up just caring so much about what happens to them. And, the series ended, and then a few months after the series ended, they put out a, um, I guess like these is on TV, or like like they would check in like years later to find out what happened to the people on the show. They just did an issue a year later to see how what they're doing after college, <laughs> and um, and so it, it's all done now. And that doesn't happen a lot in comic books; they tend to just run forever. But you get a full story about these three young ladies that go to college, and it's better than it sounds. I know some of y'all probably like. <laughs> No, don't even, you can't even imagine it's any good. It's until it ended. I said that uh, it was one of the three best series going in comic books, and it's a full story now. Giant Days. That's my keeping it one hundred. You know, and I can kind of chime in on this. You know, these three girls are very different personalities. 
and the fact that they become friends and they kind of mesh and they kind of go through all this together, uh, it's a lot like real life. You know, we always end up with friends that maybe aren't exactly like us, you know, especially when we're younger. I think when we get older, kind of like we nerds here, we we tend to to flock to to people more like like us as you get older. But when you're young, you tend to be in these little quirky groups. And so I think it works really well with this with this story. And it's it's just it's incredibly well written. I mean. All right, Dwayne, are you ready? I'm ready. And uh, I'm also going to kind of stay on brand. Uh, A lot of time my keeping it 100 uh, is what I'm, you know, proximity i guess it's what i'm most recently uh, going through and it's not going to be a very long keeping 100 i don't imagine i'll need it all but uh a charlie brown christmas along with the holiday is uh, what i'm going to pitch to you guys i'm sure we've all seen this at one time or another a lot of times you know we'll watch these specials when we're young kids and just kind of forget them as we grow older but this really truly has a lot of heart these characters um, I always feel warm and special watching it. Uh, just not even, you know, it's not even an adventure. It's just some situations that happen that we can all relate to. Um, you know, what Christmas truly means to us, what it means with our friendships and in our familial circles. Um, this is a staple at my house, even sometimes not during the Christmas season, but a Charlie Brown Christmas. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know what's oh, funny? I I hadn't watched that for a few years, and then I watched it again for the first time as a dad instead yeah. of a child. It's a different it's, experience. It's it's entirely different as an adult, especially if you're a father of, of young children. Uh, it it gives you a whole new perspective. Yeah, and you realize how terrible a person Lucy truly is. <laughs> It was it wasn't notarized. <laughs> She's the worst. Uh, you know the great part about all of those all each of those characters that Charles Schultz created, they're each a part of our personalities. We all be a little bit of each of those at different times. You know, some of us could you know, we can be Lucy on occasion. Sometimes we're just Sally. You know, we just want what's coming to us, you know, ten <laughs> You know, sometimes a lot of times we're Charlie Brown. Yeah. You know, and, and the that's purity just the, of life. Yeah. You know, I love. Yeah. 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 I think it's, we it's just, just so, picked. I think we just picked our Christmas episode for next year. Uh, I'm I'm perfect with that. I'm perfect. Yeah, totally. With that. Uh, yeah. But speaking, speaking of our of Christmas our, episode. Oh, there you go. <laughs> great, great transition. Great transition. Good segue, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of our uh, Christmas episode, we have a. A true favorite, uh, a, a true uh, modern classic, shall we say? Uh, we're looking at I'll say Elf, Will Ferrell in Elf. So give that a watch before our next uh, episode uh, of movie review. We'll have a news episode in between. But uh, and here's a spoiler. Elf. Here's a spoiler. My grade will be higher. <laughs> <laughs> I expected so. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. This movie's pretty, pretty near and dear. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're watching it, but if minus, no if minus. While we're watching Elf, Jamie, what are we going to do? We're going to keep it nerdy. <laughs> 